0: Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe
1: and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello and welcome to Safety Talk. I am your host and personal safety expert Pete Canavan, and I am joined by social media expert and branding expert Neil Haley. Neil, how are you tonight?
2: I'm doing great, Pete. Uh It's great to be connecting. I can't believe we're very, very close. I guess today's the first day of fall. So uh, exciting times for sure. So I'm excited to talk to you today.
1: Cool. So uh, we always start to show off with uh, some safety news and just want to talk about how our daily lives can sometimes cause accidents to occur, sometimes out of the blue, sometimes because we cause them. But the bottom line is, you know, life is short, life is precious, and we got to make the most of every day. Uh, we have a former Ole Miss and Texas quarterback, 32-year-old Javon Sneed, who died yesterday in Texas. Don't know what happened or why, but uh, they don't suspect any foul play. But, you know, here's somebody who's young and in shape, and they're dead. No reason why, just some kind of crazy thing. And strangely enough, also in Texas, we have a 16-year-old high school boy who was playing in a parking lot with his brother running around. And all of a sudden said to his brother, I can't breathe. And he collapsed and he died. His brother called 911. There was nothing they could do. And uh, so it's, it's some scary stuff. And then we have a country singer who died in a triple vehicle car crash, uh, Kylie Ray Harris. I don't know how many people are uh, familiar with her, but uh, she was in a car wreck with another 16-year-old girl who was also killed uh, in New Mexico. Uh, apparently, her, she was driving uh, over 100 miles an hour and hit something, and now she has left the country music community one singer less. So, you know, nobody's invincible. We have to be aware of what we have control over, and we're going to be talking about our control over our emotions with today's guest and really dive into some very interesting information. So our guest today uh, earned his PhD in school psychology from... Texas A&M University. He also completed his clinical training at Harvard Medical School. He has a postdoctorate in clinical psychology from Brown University's uh, Albert Medical School as well. Now, like many people in the mental health uh, working community, he was drawn into that field as a result of his own difficult past. Uh, He was raised in a poor single-parent home in South Texas. Uh, he was actually placed in substitute care as an adolescent after he got in trouble with the law a few times. So he credits his turnaround and much of his success to the teachers in his life who took the time to know him, to build relationships with him, and really, you know, speak the truth to him about life. Uh, he's the author of the best-selling book, The Power of a Teacher, which I'll have to get my, my wife and, uh, and Neil's a teacher as well. Uh, and his book is uh, something I Absolutely. know everybody is be uh, interested in. Sure. Uh, but his new book uh, is something very, very interesting, and we're going to be talking a lot about that today, and the title is EQ Intervention, Shaping a Self-Aware Generation Through Social and Emotional Learning. And this book is scheduled for release this coming spring, so I'm looking forward to giving you all a sneak peek into that with um, with today's guest. So it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Adam Sines to Safety Talk. Welcome, Doc. Welcome, Doc. How are you? Thanks.
0: Good, good. It's good to be with you tonight. Thank you.
1: Sure. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Talk a bit about your uh, expertise as someone. Obviously, you have an advanced doctorate in school psychology and that's got to be something that's been uh, (laughs) very interesting. I can only imagine what you've seen, experienced, and observed uh, in today's youth and how it relates to psychology and how really social media is really shaping a generation. Yeah. Uh, now, I did some research for today's interview because, you know, e, You know, everybody knows what IQ is, right? Intelligence quotient, you know, how smart you are, right. supposedly. Uh, but not everybody is familiar with EQ. And That's so right. just that, you know, stands for emotional quotient, right? Exactly. Uh, I found this pretty interesting because, as I said, I didn't really know much about it, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's essentially the capability of individuals to recognize their own emotions, recognize the emotions of other people's, being able to sort of discern, you know, between the different feelings and then to use that information to guide their thinking, to guide their behavior, and then help them adapt to situations and people and even help them achieve their goals in life, right? Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's it. That's exactly what it is.
1: Now, it's so important. And I mean, maybe, would you say it's even more important than IQ at this point?
0: Mm-hmm. Depending on, on your task, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of research that's showing, even in the corporate world, that emotional intelligence, uh, people who do well um, in professional settings, uh, IQ is an important factor, but EQ is by far the the, the driving factor from um, whether you're entry-level position, mid-management to upper uh, C-suite position. It's emotional intelligence, really, that's the determining factor. So it's it's absolutely critical.
2: See, so, uh, wow. Good I mean, I was going to add real quick to that pete i wanna, when I hear something like that, then why are we always focusing on the other intelligence instead of the emotional Good question right and how we yeah <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think what happens is um, i q um, cognitive ability has really gotten that 's sort of the, the sexy front runner. Uh, we have a lot of intelligence in tests, a lot of intelligence tests, lots of movies about i q um, that feature people that are that are um, intellectually gifted. It's, it's just a, a great topic to cover. But, uh, you know, the research shows that uh, it's really emotional intelligence that drives sustainability and success in the long run.
1: So tell us a little bit about your, your backstory and how you sort of got into this all. I gave our listeners a little bit of information, but let's hear yeah. a little more from you.
0: Yeah, I grew up in a single parent home down in South Texas. It was a, you know, there are 3,000, about 3,000, Two hundred counties in the United States. Uh, This was um just out of her league and not equipped. And um, you know, I ended up running the streets with my friends, and um, she couldn't really. uh, She didn't know what to do with me. So I and I ended up living with a family several hundred miles away from where I grew up. And um, the the bottom line was that in this new new town that I lived in, I had some amazing teachers that back you know thirty five years ago, when emotional intelligence wasn't even a thing, they were living it. That's just who they were as as human beings. And because of their emotional intelligence, because of their, their capacity to build relationships, they, they just had a life-changing impact in my life. Um, so now I'm a psychologist, and my, my mission, I look back and I say, you know, 35 years ago, there were some teachers that they, they, uh, they could have said, you know what, they don't pay me enough to put up with a kid like that. And they would have been right. Uh, but man, by God's grace, they, they chose to, to intervene, and they, they said, uh, we are going to do everything in our power to make sure this kid has everything he needs to be successful. And now my, my calling as a psychologist is to work with educators and to do everything in my power that they have what they need to be relationally successful with their students. So, I, I, you know, some people have an aunt, an uncle, grandparent, grandmother. I, I had teachers and that's, that's where I'm investing my life now.
1: That's awesome. Teachers definitely have The ability to make such a positive impact i mean my wife's a teacher she teaches second grade and it's an amazing challenge every day when she goes to work because Mm -hmm. she teaches in a city and a lot of these kids for them the school part of their day is their best part of their day oh yeah and it's really sad but when you put that in perspective And you can, you know, really try to get you get these kids to open up. You get to you you try to get them to relate. You try to get them to understand. You try to let them know that hey, you're there for them. You know, sort of as I'm sure you know your teachers were with you when you were younger. And it's 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 a very very difficult thing, and it's getting harder and harder every day. Absolutely. You know what? One of the things that I really wanted to talk about is, you know, this emotional intelligence is made up of basically five different pieces, but I think the most important, um, as individuals, you know, our, our success, our, uh, you know, our success in our chosen profession depends on sort of that EQ, as you were saying, right. From the lowest levels of, of a business all the way up to, to the C level management and, you know, how to interpret people, how to react to them. So we have to be able to have a mature understanding of, of what that, that is, and be able to empathize with people, be able to negotiate with people. You know, you know, we can't lash out. We have to do it with tact and with grace. And, and there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, if we don't do it properly, success can elude us. Mm-hmm. So, with regard to the problem of, I don't know if it's, if it's based on, on social media, but, you know, emotional intelligence, from what I've, I've found, and we talked about this before that we started here, is basically made up of self-awareness. Which is obviously super important. Uh, self-regulation, right? You know, our ability to regulate ourselves and our self-control. Um, motivation: be able to to motivate ourselves because you know it's kind of a fallacy to say that you know somebody's going to motivate you. No, they can come up with a way that you can motivate yourself, perhaps. But uh, and then empathy, Because right? we have to you know realize uh, and recognize people, you know, the feelings behind what they're doing. But of course, but then the fifth one is the social skills. Yeah, and. In today's world, we're so interconnected with technology, but not necessarily with the social skills to interact one on one or one to many in a meeting environment in a team environment, or even with others so what do would you what is your sort of insights, if you would, into that portion of how our social skills are impacted positively or negative by technology and is that causing problems with the rise in some of the things we're seeing in schools today, you know, with, with student aggression and with shootings and violence and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a, kind of a big question, but trying sure. to bring it all together for you there.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I hear two questions with the role of, of social media and, um, and how that's impacting uh, how the, the next generation is connecting. And then the second one is what is the relationship between um, social and emotional learning and aggression in schools they're, they're connected questions, but two questions. Um, you know, I, I think I don't see it as either or. I, I don't necessarily think that social media is a bad thing. I mean, we're moving into an ever increasingly digital life, you know, and, and I think that will be the norm. And I think that um, the, the young kids' digital connection will be their mainstay. So they, nah, I, I absolutely believe that through texting and, you know, instant messaging and all that. Where they they lack, though, is when you're at a counter and you're buying something and you've got a 16-year-old kid that, like you said, doesn't really know how to make good eye contact, doesn't know how to use language and words. That's where a heavy reliance on pure skills is limiting. And it's just something that we as as parents and we as educators need to be mindful of. You know, are we instructing uh, our our young generation in these basic interpersonal skills, making eye contact, using good vocal tones?
2: Exactly,
0: And, and again, social media is not going to do that. Um, and no. what, what's, what's really interesting is that you have kids that, that grow up understanding emotions from emoticons, which is good at some level. But you know, the question is, what does that look like in a person, a real life human being? How do you know when when somebody's angry or sad or happy or confused um, that we don't have emoticon faces necessarily? And if we're not in tune with each other, we're going to miss that. So that, that's, a, that's sort of how I see the, the social media piece of it impacting social skills. It's a good thing to have, but, but it does
2: miss that, that warm body, face-to-face component, which is essential. It definitely does. We're not having those conversations anymore with our our children and developing that skill set to have a back-and-forth conversation. Social media does not give you that back-and-forth conversation, as you said, talked about eye contact. Uh, There's not as many opportunities in presenting themselves in specific ways and involving adult conversations, they can get glued to their phones and glued to their screens. that They really don't interact with their parents or loved ones or other adults. So it's our job as parents to make sure we have those conversations. We really look at those interpersonal skills so that they're able to be able to communicate in that way. And not just this quick text message or, Hey, um, I'm going to think about it way, not like immediate. That's the other thing in social media. Or in texting with young people today, it's not an immediate response. It sometimes takes 20 seconds, 30 seconds to a minute where when you have to have a hold a conversation, it has to be back and forth very quickly.
1: It's definitely something that's tough. I mean, I do that with my kids all the time where every, when they come home from school or from wherever they work or whatever, it's like, hey, how was work? Hey, how was school? You know? And I don't just let them say, good. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, tell me a little bit what happened, you know, were you busy yeah, at work? Were you not busy at work? You know, everything went good, you know, no pain in the neck customers, you know, whatever it happens to be, you know, you, you, you try to engage them a little bit more and get them to, you know, sometimes it's like pulling teeth, right? <laughs> to, to, to extract yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but it's extremely important as parents, I think, to do that because they're not getting all of that uh, from their peers. I mean, if, if your kids are, you know, like my middle one, he's, out all the time. He's always with his friends. He's not on the computer much. He's not on the Xbox or anything. He's out fishing, hunting, playing football, playing Frisbee, you know, going out, you know, taking his truck, whatever. He's out doing things. And that, I love that effect, you know what I mean? Because he's out there doing things and he's building those skills of interacting and and dealing with people. And I know he's going to be tremendously successful as a result of it, right? And, uh, you know, we're talking about the difference between how EQ versus IQ you know, and how one can be that much more important than the other, right? EQ. But yet, like Neil mentioned, the emphasis is on the intelligence part of it. You know, where'd you go to school? What are your grades, et cetera, et cetera. But you could be brilliant and not be able to articulate your thoughts and what good are you? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. What, uh, so getting back to the, the student aggression side of it where, you know, maybe some of these things are are causing some of the problems that we're seeing because I'd like to try to focus a little bit more on that side of it. Uh, what is it that maybe we've tried in the past to address that problem of student aggression?
0: Well, what we've tried in the past in schools is rooted in what's called behavioral psychology. So if you ever had a uh, just a basic undergrad psychology course, um, think of behavioral psychology as Pavlov with the dogs, right? It's all about antecedent behavior and consequence, stimulus, classical conditioning. And, and the, the core of that is, let me find things about you that bring you pain, things you like and things you don't like. And I'm going to use those things to shape your behavior. So in, um, in schools, things that, that students like are extra computer time or um, social status, um, things they don't like, Theoretically, office referrals, suspensions, right? So those are basic carrots and sticks that we have in schools to shape behavior. The problem with that model is that those carrots and sticks, they they don't work on this generation. Um, Kids don't care about the carrots that we're offering. They're not big enough. They're not sweet enough, enough. And the sticks don't scare them anymore. You know, like one kid said, um, um, Go ahead and suspend me. Last time you suspended me, um, my mom picked me up. We got ice cream, and I got to go watch cartoons. Um, you know, so paid vacation, right? So the, the sticks don't work anymore. And what we're realizing is that what we need is something relational. We, we need an approach that allows us to connect with kids in a meaningful, deep way that's beyond sticks and carrots, and that's social emotional learning. That's that's emotional intelligence.
1: Interesting. Yeah. yeah now definitely. with now how so we we have these kids that we're trying to sort of come at them with something that we hope will promote positive behavior, and so the traditional ways of doing so aren't working. So what right. are our options really right now?
0: The main option is relational it's it's how do i it's not how do I punish or reward the student. The question is how do I build a relationship with student? because students are much more likely to respond to adults that they feel connected to. Social emotional learning and emotional intelligence is, um, is the roadmap to building relationships with kids. We start with ourselves as adults before knowing ourselves and regulating ourselves as adults and being adults that, that are managing emotions. Kids see that and they learn from that. They're learning from us anyway, but this allows us to be the best version of ourselves, so that we can be good um, uh, examples for students. They respect that, they admire that, and they're drawn into that through relationship. And then we, in turn, through our own empathy as adults, can uh, understand their stories and their struggles and their pain, which gives us more patience and empathy for them. We don't get as frustrated with them, and we're we're much more willing to to come alongside of them and and be a support to them.
1: It's interesting because I have I was just hearing on the news or it was, I read an article or something about how the, so many of the youth today feel like, why are they even doing what they're doing? Like they feel like the, the world is, is not going in the direction that they like. And of course I blame the media for a lot of these negative portrayals. They feel like they've got to go completely the opposite of what's out there today thinking that whatever is different must be better, you know, Mm. and we can take that any way we want. Uh, You look at that in the political arena with, you know, how there's so much interest now in socialism, which is scared as the crap out of me, right? Uh, Because people just don't understand, but they think, well, you know what? Something's got to be better because what's out there right now isn't working. And so that sort of lack of caring and that attitude of, well, it doesn't matter anyway what I do or how I perform, et cetera, is really scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and if there's one thing we want our, our youth to understand, it's that their voice matters, their decisions matter, their choice matters, and they really can make a positive impact. That, that cynicism that you're describing is um, scary is a good word for it.
2: Right. Those that's just yeah that's just i mean that's the problem in a lot of ways is that everybody's been handed things in their lives at different times Now, young people that they think that everything should be easy and nothing hard doctor how do you kind of express that to teach that eq as you talked about how important that emotional intelligence is versus you know psychologically the, hey they're really intelligent they're going to be performing great levels the greatest intelligence, but once they get to a job where there's a boss or some person that expects huge results and the pressure comes and the stress comes, they're not used to that. They're not used to the specific things. And that's where it causes a lot of people with depression, different things like that. So what can we do in that situation to deal with those situations, for, for young people to deal with this, especially when it becomes challenging and it's not going to be as easy as everything that came easy to them their whole lives.
0: Well, I think that the key there is um, to, for, for schools to practice systematic social and emotional learning curriculum, and basically what that means is um, for schools to have dedicated times to teach young men, young women, um, primary and secondary students about um, emotions. Essentially, what are they, and how do I manage them effectively? When I'm when I'm frustrated, it's okay to be frustrated, but What can I do with that feeling to make my life better? When I'm angry, it's okay to be angry, but what can I do to use that anger to make my life better and and the lives of the people around me better? So so the big picture, the big idea, the roadmap is to help understand, as the the great Fred Rogers said, um, all emotions are mentionable and all emotions are manageable. That's our goal is to help kids understand that whatever your feeling is, whatever your emotion is, there's a way to harness that emotion to make your life better. Yes.
1: That's so true because there are so many things that we have to contend with today. And, you know, anger is something that's natural. You know, we all get angry from time to time But whatever it happens to be. You know, we also get sad. We have, we're happy. We're joyous. I mean, we are... Our emotions, you know, run from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and understanding how we can harness that to, first of all, understand that it is normal, right? Yeah. And then secondly, how do we take that and turn that into something that can be fuel for our fire, right? They can drive us forward. They can, you know, be that, that catalyst that maybe, you know, causes some change to happen or, you know, enables us to to get to the next level by saying, you know what? I'm not going to let, you know, X, Y, and Z bother me. You know, there there are kids out there or just watch some, some interview with a football player. And he's like, you know what? I love it. When people tell me I can't do something because then I go and prove them wrong. And I'm like, you know what? I love it (laughs) Mm, because it's so true now. I mean, so basically, I mean, in a nutshell, this, you know, our emotional intelligence quotient, our EQ, it's, it's our ability to understand other people it's our ability to understand what motivates them. Under it's it's what uh, you know what we can use to understand them so that we can work with them, right? And and these are all things that are imperative for success, no matter you know what it is that you're trying to do. Uh, the yeah. the five categories of what's you know de- defined in EQ are uh, this our self awareness, right? And that's of course our. Ability to recognize those emotions as they're happening to us, right? Because we're talking just about emotions right now. So that can be very difficult for people because it forces them to tune into their feelings. Yes. And so many people, I think, are not tuned into their feelings. And that's probably the reason why we have so many emotional support (laughs) animals out there. Yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly right. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, it's crazy. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. and another causing all kinds of problems for people because they're bringing these animals in places they shouldn't Uh be. So, I mean, that that's a big, big problem, I think. And so, I mean, obviously, so that that's first. And then um, being able to regulate those controls so that we don't fall into some extreme anxiety or some extreme depression. Uh, we've got to be able to be strong enough that we can control the emotions that we're experiencing to a certain extent. Because if we don't, then they're going to control us. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, and that's, again... I think there are a lot of people that they turn to medication, they turn to drugs, they turn to other things that they can say, well, you know, this is the, you know, the problem I'm having and I'm doing this for it and it's not working. And so it's, it's the fault of the medicine or whatever. It's not my fault. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. We have to really be
2: the percent and that. Yeah. Well one we just have to be we have to be you know cont- we have
1: to be in control of our own things we have to accept that responsibility i mean go on Neil. isn't
2: there what percentage i was hearing about uh doctor i was hearing about specifically certain percentages of kid of kids and adults that have some sort of mental disorder at one point in their lives it's a it's a huge percent isn't it
0: well i know that that um f- uh, the the uh, institute of mental health did a, a survey in 2016 and um one in five, um, 20% of teenagers between the ages of 13 and 17 will experience a severe, not, not mild and not moderate, but severe wow. mental disorder. And out of that uh, 20%, only half will get treatment. Less than half will get treatment for it.
2: Because of that stigma. For sure, uh, partially
0: man. because of the stigma and partially because there just aren't, the, the, there are uh, not enough service providers.
2: Truly, yeah. That's a huge you know,
0: percentage In in my my clinic in College Station, here in Texas, um, we have 25 uh, mental health professionals on our staff, and um, we get uh, on a slow day we'll get 15 phone calls. Uh, On a busy day, we'll get 30 um, requesting therapy. And um, you know that the um, uh, most therapists a full caseload for them is 20 clients a week, maybe 25 clients a week. So you can imagine, if you're getting you know fifteen twenty phone calls a day, you'll fill a therapist up in in a month, right? And and once your twenty five therapists are filled, then you just can't take anymore, and the calls keep coming, you know. So it's just um, it's just a, a difficult situation. Um, you you have um, a high need population, and you but you just don't have the qualified professionals to meet right. the need, which is why you know our focus is is really working with teachers because the the the, the reality is that. Um, Schools are now becoming the front lines of mental health intervention. Uh, it used to be an outpatient clinic or a mental health hospital, but it's, it's the schools now. And we want to empower teachers uh, with uh, an emotional intelligence skill set to meet their students' needs. And, and yes. we're, not, we're not trying to make teachers mental health professionals or therapists or counselors, but we always tell teachers... You do not have to be a thoracic surgeon to perform CPR, and sometimes CPR can save a person's life. And you do not have to be a psychologist or a licensed clinical social worker to provide some basic um, um, social-emotional learning, basic EQ to kids that can be hugely, hugely helpful to them. So that's our angle, is we want to empower teachers because they're on the front lines.
1: I agree. And My wife's a teacher, and I would agree with you 110% that she is definitely acting like a mental health professional in many respects without wanting to, simply because she has no choice because the children have so many issues. She has 28 in her second grade class. Nine of them uh, are emotional or learning support.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: crazy. The numbers
0: are crazy and and it's only the, the trend is that it's only going to it's only going to get more intense you know kids are coming to schools at a younger and younger age with greater levels of psychopathology as as never before as never before the the the, the acronym vuca v u c a is used which stands for volatility uncertainty complexity and ambiguity and that is the world that kids are living in today and because the world uh, the american culture is increasingly volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous our level of anxiety is rising and our levels of depression yes. are rising as a result of that
1: and that's kind of what i was saying before that there's this level of uncertainty and this level of you know i don't i don't see where you know i'm going to fit in i don't see how you know things are going to be when i'm an adult And I think it sends a lot of these kids into a state of depression that they just, they have a hard time coming out of because they're not being shown that there is a better way. And, you know, whether it's a teacher or a professional such as yourself, we need to be able to provide empathy for these people and let them know, look, you know, this is not the end of the road here. There's a a big, bright future out there for you. And you've got to, sort of take and figure out why the person feels that way and then turn around and be like, look, this is normal, but we need to, you know, change how you're thinking of things because there is a better way. And it's difficult.
0: It really is. You know, in 2011, um, Joseph Durlock, a researcher at Loyola, looked, he did this huge meta-analysis looking at social-emotional programs in schools and, and basically asked the question, do they really work? And he looked at about 1,213 programs, uh, you know, K-12, across the board, all kinds of different schools and programs, and he found um, absolute uh, resounding evidence that these programs work. Not only do they um, decrease aggression, um, but they increase pro-social interaction. Kids are interacting with each other in in good ways. Um, So there's the behavioral benefit. Kids, because they're more regulated and more um, in control behaviorally and socially, they're, they're, they make academic gains, which is great. And then the last thing is teachers that implement these programs, um, they, they're more sustainable. They, they feel more in control of their own lives. They're managing their stress more effectively. They're more in tune with themselves. Um, yes. And it just allows them to process their emotion as adults because, there, what, there's what we refer to in the mental health field. If you, if you work with, with patients and, or kids that, that come from traumatic backgrounds, there's what we call the secondhand smoke. And if you work with kids in trauma long enough, eventually it's traumatizing to the adult. Mm. And so the adult then needs self-awareness and self-regulation and empathy. Um, so, again, social-emotional learning, uh, emotional um, intelligence is um, it's just a good thing for everybody on so many different fronts. It's good for adults. It's good for kids. And the the, yes. the science just absolutely backs it up.
1: So how and, would you take wow, and yeah. turn that around now for the teacher to help the teachers from getting burned out? Because they're out there, as we are just talking about, you know, they're one of the ones that are on the front lines. They're dealing with the students. They're trying to, you know, provide empathy for them. They're trying to help them build their sco- social skills. They're trying to motivate them. They're trying to do all of these things in addition to teaching them, you know, yeah. reading, writing, and arithmetic. So how, you know, what what would the you say the relationship there is between that emotional, you know, IQ and teacher burnout?
0: It, it's very high, you know, um, and, and what what we do in in, in my book, The, the EQ Intervention, I, I talk a lot about um, our work in schools Um, My colleagues at at Texas A&M and I developed um, a measure, a personality measure um, called the EASEL, which is E-A-S-E-L. It stands for the Educator Assessment of Social-Emotional Learning. And when we work on campuses with, with educators, with teachers, we have them take our personality test online. And it measures their personality style. It measures their capacity for emotional intelligence. And it measures their vulnerability to stress. And we use that to help them understand based on their personalities, which students are going to be easy for them and which are going to be challenging for them based on their own strengths and weaknesses and what they can do to modulate that and and minimize the liabilities. Uh, We give them stress management coping plans based on the fight or flight response. So who are the people you need to be reaching out to? Um, How can you pull back and reflect on your practice as an educator? Um, so we, we, we spend a full day before we even um, commission teachers to begin to implement this work with students. We guide them through a full day experience where they learn to implement it for themselves. And, you know, the, the feedback we're getting, it's, it's, it's across the board. Teachers are saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We understand that we're here for kids, but good Lord, nobody is asking how we're doing, you know? Um, so we want, we want the teachers to be, um, sustainable. We want them to bring their A game. Uh, We want them to feel loved, encouraged, seen and heard because the best intervention for every student, the best intervention bar none is a healthy adult in the classroom. And that's the starting point.
2: It's so, so true, the starting point. And if they're not healthy, we look at those needs, right? Maslow hierarchy of needs. You're not going to teach a student unless they feel good about themselves, unless unless they Trust themselves. They're not thinking about their home life. They're not thinking about what's happening when they're getting bullied. They're really just their focuses can be on school, and that yeah. doesn't happen with a lot of kids. And but by teaching them how to deal with these things through mental health strategies and different programs, that it sounds like that we need to have more and more of these programs for kids. Less kids will commit suicide, and we'll have more kids that feel happy about themselves.
0: Absolutely. And, and less, less students will have to ret- resort to violence as a way to express their emotion. Yes.
1: So the book is, is uh, coming out in the spring. It's called the EQ intervention, shaping a self-aware generation through social and emotional learning. So is the book targeted towards teachers?
0: Primarily, that's the, it's the main audience, educators.
1: Educators and getting them to basically understand, like, you know, you were just saying this teacher saying to you, thank you for, you know, having something that's actually addressing me and the stresses that I'm under trying to teach these skills and and teach these kids. Right.
0: And once the teachers master that, then we guide them through, okay, now this is how you model it for students. These are practical things you can do for students to help them understand their self-awareness and their self-regulation.
2: Right. I'm gonna put a debate out here really quickly about what about the therapy that they're implementing in school districts, I think in New York area, where they all have to go through the teachers have to teach mental health strategies to their kids in fifth grade. Doctor, what is your thought process on that? Do you think that they need a book like yourselves yourself to to go ahead and utilize? They're coming up with saying that they have to plan it into their curriculum. The concern I have is a lot of times we are are forced to do certain standards and yet we're not trained enough to be able to implement them in the classroom. And then we make the, we do the wrong things that could be a detriment towards that student.
0: I I think you're right. You know, I mean, I I think it's a great initiative. It's a great idea, Um, but it's, it's a bad idea if we're not going to um, empower educators to, to be successful with it. So if, if we count the cost and really, really devote the time and the resources necessary to appropriately train educators. It's great. But if not, then it's, it's probably not going to be very helpful for anyone. It's probably just going to be overwhelming, really.
2: Yeah. When we force something as a teacher, we usually just, they jam it down our throats that we have to plan it and we still have to hit all the benchmarks of assessments and all these different things. It's not done well. You really have to get a teacher buy-in. That's yeah. the big thing, Pete. And Pete, you, all, you know that when you train too. When you train groups of people, they have to get buy-in to what you believe in. And if they don't, they're never going to implement it, are they?
1: No, I'm exactly right. I mean, you as a teacher, you know, my wife is a teacher, Adam is, you know, an educator. It's, it's very important that we get the right, you know, points across to get people to, to move in the direction that we want them to. And it's not easy and it's getting tougher every single day. And uh, so, I mean, something like this is, uh, is awesome because it's going to help the teachers understand what they can do to be more effective to, to help this, uh, this generation that needs hope, they need understanding, they need empathy, and most of all, they need goals and dreams that they can shoot for and let them know that, look, these are, you know, anything you want to do, you can do. These things are realistic and you know it doesn't matter where you come from it matters where you want to go yeah,
2: absolutely. absolutely you hit yeah. it the, it's great great points for sure
1: yeah i mean it's interesting too i mean you adam you have something on the the website about a culture architect yeah and i thought that was very interesting because you say that uh, that cultures just like individual personalities right they go, mm-hmm. they're they're going to grow either yeah. As by design or by accident, right? By chance. Right. And yeah. we don't want things to be uh, shaped by chance. We want to be shaping the future of our country, of the world, of our next generation by design. You know, mm-hmm. we shape our children as best as we can as parents. All three of us are parents. And, you know, can we do a better job? Of course, everybody can do a better job. We just do the best job that we can and hope that we do the right thing by our children so that they grew up to be productive, successful members of society. But so many children out there don't have parents that give them the attention that they deserve. Maybe they they come from a, a broken home. There's only one parent there. So there's only one role model. And that role model is busy half the time because they're working all the time to put food on the table. And so mm-hmm. they have these these challenges that other people have to sort of fill the void and we hope that the people that are filling that void for them are doing it in a positive way and not in a negative way. And unfortunately, right. we see a lot of that negativity. I mean, look what's going on in places like Chicago, where you have these, these gang you know, killings on a daily basis. The number of, of deaths is skyrocketing. These kids have zero uh, appreciation or respect for human life, and they do whatever they want because they feel there's gonna be no consequences and who really cares anyway because you know whatever they feel the world's gonna to end tomorrow right and it's crazy the 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 way that they are looking at at their future they're not looking at it in a way that's healthy
0: no I think you're exactly right it, it is um, it's alarming there's no two ways about it
1: so what else can we do to you know to shape our culture in a positive way Way, other than what's being done, or can be done in the schools and through, you know, workshops such as what you're you're getting out there to people. I mean, what mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on what else can be done?
0: You know, I think that the main thing uh, that that can be done apart from what professionals are doing in the in the field is just for the the person who's who's a uh, educator parent is. Um, just to let kids know, um, well, I said number one, um, to to be self-aware and be self-regulated, um, be mindful of yourself. You know, what am I thinking and feeling right now, and am I doing a good job controlling it the way that it needs to be? Just by living that and modeling that to kids, I mean that goes such a long way. Um, and then the second thing is letting kids know that that it's it's okay to feel. You know, especially young men, yes. you know, we, we, we're, we're young men are, are just, we're trained that that feelings are, you know, you're a sissy or some kind of pejorative term if you have feelings and boys don't cry and you need to suck it up. And, um, you know, maybe there's a time and a place for being tough. But gosh, man, if, 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 our, if we're training boys or anyone for that matter to, to repress emotion, that's just a recipe for disaster. So just giving, giving young men and young women too, but certainly young men, giving them the freedom to feel. You know, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to miss somebody. Um, you know, that's a huge way to, to shape culture, to shape the next generation.
1: I think what you need to do is come up with a kid's version of EQ intervention mm. and turn it into an app.
0: Oh yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: For because, sure. Just and yeah. And then, cause then it becomes, you know, then you can sort of have it so that the, the children and the kids and the students, you know, and the younger generation put some of the onus on them as well.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Anything we can do to help kids, um, um, Self-regulate and own their own emotion and and engage that independently. You know that's yes. that's a step in the right direction.
1: Uh, fantastic! Very interesting information. Really uh, mm-hmm. appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. And um, basically, uh, if anybody's interested in learning more about you, they can go to your your website, right? adamsigns.com?
0: That's right. Yes, sir.
1: We'll have that link out there, and it's signs spelled S-A-E-N-Z. So, right. a little bit uh, different. Any last thoughts uh, for our audience there, Doctor Adam?
0: Well, no. I mean, I, I said no. Yes, I do actually. Uh, first, thank you again for the invitation. It's been uh, great to be with you both. Uh, last thoughts are um, we? You know, I, I mean, I just I feel like um, this is just my clinical intuition. There's, there's, I can't argue for science behind it, but I feel like. Um, We are in some of the toughest times we've ever been in as a country, and I don't know that it's going to get better. Um, But I also know, you know, I think that um, because the darkness is so dark, man, the light's just going to shine even lighter than it ever has. And so... Um, in in the midst of all the stress, we, we are positioned to 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 really raise the the most self aware generation that we've ever known. You know, um, and so I, I just want to encourage your listeners um, when they're discouraged, uh, feeling overwhelmed. You know, that's understandable. Uh, but also remember, you know, how can I light a candle? How can I be a light to the the youth of America? Uh, how can I help kids understand how to know their feelings and regulate them, and and how can I model that for them? There, there's still so much good that can be done.
1: Absolutely, agree. We have to end on a positive note, of course. So that's mm. uh, that's awesome, and uh, really appreciate your time. And you know, for anybody interested in learning more, you can visit uh, his uh, Dr. Adams' website. And uh, really, uh, thank you for being on, and thanks for the listeners too. Uh, for turning in to Safety Talk, and uh, you can always get past episodes in addition to this episode at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. And our videos are on our YouTube channel at safetytalkvideos.com, we're also found on all major podcast networks. So, download our show and subscribe, and stay in a loop on the latest in safety and security and how to protect yourself, your family, and your future. So, until next time, right. everybody, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past
0: episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com.
1: Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn
0: about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information.
1: Until next time, stay safe.